Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. Gus. Oh, he's got onions. Gus. He's got onions. Week four of the Big East Bar Room, your third Big East Bar Room, though, because I accidentally deleted the last one before it was published. Ryan, happy December 5th to you and yours and all that celebrate. The great day of December 5th? Sure. If that's what we're it's going It's only with. a day that's not too, too cold. So we're going to try to the winter. We're going to try not to delete this one so you guys all get to hear it. That would be pretty exciting for us. Not 100% sure yet. Um, but if you're hearing this now, it means it worked. So that's Yeah, it. and if you're not hearing this now, never made it. It's progress, you know. Um, so it's the week after Feast Week. So it, things have kind of calmed down a little bit. There's not as much basketball to try to keep up with. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, you can probably the takes are less hot, I would say now because Last week, the feast week, you saw the teams play the first competition in a while. UConn was the best team in the country. Spoiler, might still be. Um, Conference. Country. Country. I'm not afraid of Houston. I'm not afraid of Kia Clark at Virginia. I'm very afraid of Zach Eady in the streets, not in basketball. Um, I I think that we can probably uh, slow it down. And, you know, St. John's was... Maybe the second best team in the conference going into, or third best team in the conference, and now we had to take a step back and reevaluate them after their disappointing showing against Iowa State. But anyway, like we we're saying, the less uh, less hot hot takes, more. I think we teams we're, kind of went into more of what they were this week. We're kind of settling into the season now. Yep. We kind of know what to expect, and um, if anything. Major changes that will be a headline. But. Everybody's played eight or nine games in the Big East. That's cool. Um, three and five, four and five, four and four, five and three, six 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 and three, eight one nine and zero. Oh. Good time to be six and three. Just kidding. Not really. Win some more games. <laughs> uh, Tyler's on one today. Um, I'm tired. It's Monday. We normally record on Sunday, and it's Monday. All right. So we are. Doing the format we've been working with for a little while now. We're going to put three minutes on the clock. We're going to go through the teams, give our thoughts, go through the week. Um, Tyler, who are we talking first? If we're going, I still think one more week of going bottom top works in the uh, standings. So um, this still has Villanova as the last team in the conference. So we would be talking about the Villanova Wildcats. All right, let's put three minutes on the clock. All right, Villanova played one game this week. Mercifully, after losing four straight, they got some time off. They didn't have to play until Saturday, and they escaped against Oklahoma at home with a win. Um, I say escape because they were losing for a lot of the first half, um, came on strong in the second half, and some of that coincided with the big story, which is... Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore, five-star recruit, only five-star recruit in the Big East, made his season debut uh, against Oklahoma. On Saturday, um, you know, obviously he's going to get the headlines. I don't think he was the best player that Villanova oh, had out good. there. He was the most talented player, I think. You think so? Talent? Yeah. I don't think 
I, I, but I don't think that he could walk on any floor right now. Probably and be the he's a lottery pick. He took a couple contested threes at the beginning. Uh, he did have a really nice steal. Uh, he had one nice drive, left hand layup. Um, you can see the potential. You can see the athleticism. He missed the first three shots and then shot three or four after. Um, but I, I think he's still got a long way to go. And I think the people who are saying that's the reason they won the game, I think they're taking the easy way out. That's my hot take. That's what I said, and I think that that changed the energy of the game. I think him coming into that game, um, when he did, you know, I believe it was early. I mean, it, they were down, they were down by nine or something like that early. Oh, they were down twenty to nine, twenty-two to nine, yeah. and he checks in for the first time. I mean, some turkey math here. If they won the rest of the game, sixty-one to forty-four. I mean. That's a, so. I mean, I'm listen. You, yes, runs happen in college basketball. I can't attribute it all to him. And I think the other guy we should talk about, obviously, is Caleb Daniels. Caleb Daniels was fantastic. Caleb Daniels was Colin Gillespie reincarnated. Caleb Daniels was calling his own number at the end of the game. He ran himself ISO post five times. And there was one time when somebody lined up on the same side of the floor as him, and he waved him off. Yeah. He said, I'm running ISO. It Get was, out of my way. It was really surreal to watch him play the inverted offense. Through Caleb Daniels, I mean, he just backed. My, Repeatedly, we watched it. I watched it with Dad, and I'm like, Dad, watch this every time. Just back down, back down, back down, and then you bring to bring the double, pass for a three. Yep. You're gonna not. I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna rise above you. And he shot eight of ten. He was efficient while doing it too. And, and if you wouldn't bring the double, he was scoring on that guy. I don't yes. know who it was. He, who they had guarding him. I don't know the Oklahoma roster that well. But That's silly. Daniels proved that you need to bring help on me. And then when they did, he managed to to hit the kick. So. Oh. I thought I you wanna know who I thought played well, who deserves some credit, who doesn't um get a lot because he's pretty um he's not treated well by Villanova fans. I thought Archie Diakono played really well. I agree, I really liked Archie. I thought he his stat line doesn't reflect it was six and two and one. I thought he was everywhere. I thought he hit his open threes, two of four. Uh, I, I think he deserves some credit. He had a couple big plays down the stretch. Uh he had that big um Rebound at the end. He drew a foul. Uh, I think he always is in the right spot. He's not a problem for defense. All right, Providence fans, there's your buzzer for today. A little serotonin kick Uh, from the big fella. Your change on opinion Villanova after last week. I think Cam Whitmore changes the ceiling on Villanova. I don't – Villanova's not even – we can't even talk tournament anytime soon. So, fair. Good luck. Oh, now I'm uh, Georgetown. On to the Georgetown Hoyos. Um, Georgetown went 0-2 this week, um, getting blown out by Texas Tech. Although they kept that game pretty close, um, and they covered their spread. Um, And then they lost to South Carolina at noon on a Saturday. Um, I can speak more to the South Carolina game. Did you catch any of the Texas Tech game? I did not catch the Texas Tech game because it was on at the same time as the Butler-Kansas State game. That would make sense. Um, let me see if I can draw any quick conclusions, but nobody really wants to hear somebody look at a box score and make conclusions. Uh, a Cook and Wahab go scoreless. <laughs> 0 of 8 um, from the field. Uh, Wahab looks like he was in foul trouble. Oh, no. Did Wahab get hurt? Benched? Um, whatever. Um, I watched a lot of the uh, South Carolina game. I did not know Michi Johnson is in South Carolina. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, he hit a couple big shots from him. He hit it? the game winner. He hit the three from almost the logo. Yeah. Um, to give him a 74-71 lead. That's funny. I did see that part. Isn't Michi Johnson LeBron's god kid? Uh, I think did there I is a con- No, I think there is a connection there. He used to play for Ohio State. Is 
where we know him from, we weren't aware he was over on South Carolina. And he made a lot of threes for Ohio State as a freshman, and I'm a little surprised he transferred. And so, would you like to comment on the Hoyas in that game, or just Michi Johnson? Um, so, down the stretch, so pre, pre, we're watching the whole game. Again, I was watching my dad, who's very much a novice when it comes to college basketball. And he's saying, oh, wow, like, that guy looks good. That guy looks good. I said, yeah, Dad, this is the problem. They all look good, but it doesn't work together. Um, at the end of the game, Primo Spears hits a two at the end of regulation from about the free throw line. Game's over. That's great. There's about three seconds left. What does Georgetown not do? They don't get back on defense. They, what ends up happening is Heath holds the jersey of the South Carolina kid, but they don't call it. Georgetown's going to finally, the gods have shined upon Georgetown, the Hilltop Hoyas. And what happens? They go to the monitor. I did not think you could even review this. Because they didn't... But you know what I thought was so telling, right? Somebody... Or, or Patrick Ewing came out and said, I didn't know you could review that. Laval Jordan is in the studio, the old butler yeah. coach. And he's like, yeah, of course I knew where you could review that. I'm a coach. Yeah. And that, that told me Joe something. Schmo shouldn't be sitting here. But anyway, they review it. Heath, um, they called it flagrant one, which again was just terrible because that's not a flagrant run in the first half. Anyway, it ends up going um, to overtime because he makes one free throw, ties the game. Um, and then Michi Johnson hits a long court. Fire Patrick Ewing. I am so sick of having this conversation every time. It doesn't make sense that he still has a job. He is living proof that you do not have to be good at your job to keep your job. This is ridiculous. I don't know how to stress it anymore. That is the only thing I have to say. Yeah, I mean, like, we watch a ridiculous amount of Big East basketball. I, I will watch any team. I have no interest in watching Georgetown while Patrick Ewing's coaching. But I really like their players. Primo Spears, a cook, a cook, Curtis Wahop are really good players. All right. That was a Leaky Roof game, right? No, the Leaky Roof game was against Xavier. That is Xavier. That's him hitting the game winner against Xavier. That's at Xavier, I believe. This is at Xavier. You're right. Xavier actually... I was able to do that without looking at the video, Providence fans. A little credit there. Um, All right. We are moving on to... The Seton Hall Pirates. Seton Hall goes 0-1 this week. Um... They are able to beat number nine Kansas. Or sorry, they lose to nine, number nine Kansas in a game so bad that I fell asleep during. So um, watched a little bit of it, realized that they had a zero point zero point zero percent chance of winning, and decided my sleep was more important. And I'm guessing Seton Hall fans, you wish you did the same. Yeah, I mean. If I remember correctly, they were down big early, um, and, uh, you know... Oh, they lost both halves by double digits, if that makes you feel better. So they were down big in every part of the game. Somebody made a great point on Twitter. They said, all right, if our identity is defense, it's okay that we scored 65 points. Mm -hmm. We can't give up 91 points, right? If we're losing this game, you know, 60 to 70, okay, I can live with that. But we're giving up 91 points, and we're talking about how our identity is defense, defense, defense. Um, and so something is clearly not working right now in South Orange. Um, Did Dre Davis have a DNP? Um, yeah, he coach's was decision? not injured. Ah. Um, yeah, I, I don't, um, it's getting to the point where I think Holloway doesn't like his players. Like it's not even that he like, doesn't think they're good or he thinks, you know, I think he like genuinely doesn't like them. Um, I think he had another quote after today saying, like, they don't want to play basketball, <laughs> like, pretty much. And it's like, well, I'm not saying Holloway's wrong. And Holloway's building a culture there. 
But, man, if you're a Seton Hall fan that got so close last year to being, like, an elite team, it's got to be hard to watch this team with a lot of talent on their roster. They definitely have a lot of talent on their roster, but it's not a Coach Holloway team. No. And it's not going to become a Coach Holloway team this year. And so he tried to put something together with a bunch of transfers in the portal, but it's not meshing and it's not what he wants, and it's going to take time for him to build the kind of team he wants. This is a this is Kevin Willard's team. Um, yeah, but then you look at it, and Kevin Willard is, has a team that's number eight in the country and undefeated. I, I'm not going to make any decisions on Sheen Holloway until well after this season um, and going into next season. I guess if you're Seton Hall, you hope it's a Dan Hurley-type situation where he inherited yeah. kind of a program that was trying to figure some stuff out, never or, and he wasn't great the first two or three years. Um, and then really now UConn has come into being a powerhouse again. But this is bad for Seton Hall right now. This is really bad. They're, I mean, they're slipping down into, you know, DePaul level right now. Uh, <laughs> Don't ever disgrace. We're ranking DePaul. Uh, luckily, they've still got a little breathing room between them and Georgetown. But Seton Hall is looking at the bottom end of the uh, conference. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's hard to adjust expectations for a while. When I saw the Davis brothers and I was like, uh, you know, Kadari and, you know, Samuel, I thought top five team in the Big East maybe. Like, was their ceiling? I don't know if they get out of the bottom three in the Big East right now. Yeah, Kadari Richmond's not a point guard. they got to stop playing through Kadari Richmond. Even though he had a nice half, uh, first half against Kansas, he turns the ball over way too much. He's not a distributor. And, and, and um, Alamir Dawes shot 3 of 11. Like, I can't keep watching this guy take contested jump shots. Well, that makes you feel better than it sounds like Seton Hall fans really enjoy watching that. So. Yeah, everybody else does, I guess. All right. My favorite team, which is now going to cost me $9.99 a month because I'm going to forget to unsubscribe from ESPN+. Plus. The DePaul Blue Demons. DePaul goes on or is at home and plays Samford um, of Samford and Sons and, go, and wins 103-98 to in overtime, I believe. Yes, in overtime. And then they go on the road, kind of. I mean, both teams are in Chicago. And they play a Loyola Chicago team that has a resume in the past. Um, and they beat them 78-72. to 72. I, in overtime as well. Sign me up for... If you put Tony Stubblefield, because we'll talk about DePaul. I mean, we're going to talk about the same three players. But here's my question. If you put Tony Stubblefield as the coach of Georgetown, how... Oh, they're playing defense. Like, is Georgetown a middle-of-the-pack Big yeah, East team? Yeah, Tony Stubblefield won't allow you to get away with not playing defense, missing rotation, poor effort. Like, that's not who Tony Stubblefield is. It's just hard to, like, and they have they have dudes over there. And at the end of the game, because a bunch of their guys are hurt, if you haven't known, they were playing Zion Cruz, Jalen Terry, and um, Amosha Gibson together. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that's three-point cards, and they were just playing them together. Um Zion Cruz still doesn't look good. Um, he played 21 minutes, which might be his season high. Um, yeah, it is his season high, and, but he scored zero points. Um, yeah, he's more of a combo guard. Um, I don't know. He's he's clearly struggling. Javon Johnson, on the other hand, won player of the week. Javon? Oh, really? I didn't see that yes, come out this did. morning. Um, Javon Johnson reminds me a lot of... Javon Freeman Liberty. No. Ah. I was going to say um, Jones. David, David Jones. Jones? David Jones. Um, kind of high volume shooters, not always the most efficient, but can give you thirty points in a random game. <laughs> like, yep. um, I've really been impressed by Javon Johnson, and I believe Javon Johnson got hurt last year. Could be wrong. I don't recall. But he averages twenty seven and a half points. 
on 9 of 13 and 10 of 18 shooting. That's efficiency. Yeah, he's frankly been one of the best players in the Big East this year. Nobody's talking about him because he plays for DePaul. But, Stupid. Don't sleep on DePaul. But, like, same thing as Javon Freeman-Liberty last year. Um, and those are spelt differently. Javon Johnson, Javon Freeman-Liberty. But um, Are they? Uh, yeah. Uh, Javon Johnson's with two A's. Anyhow, Tony Stubblefield is clearly doing something right with player development that he's getting these guys to play so well. Um, and I think Freeman Liberty's uh, got a two-way contract with the Bulls. Congratulations to Javon Freeman Liberty. So Stubblefield's doing something right out there. I was right. I was watching this whole Samford game, and then the article says that Samford made the reverse. Um, DePaul made the reverse. Samford forced overtime, and then DePaul backdoor covered to give me that four and a half because nobody disrespects DePaul by saying only four and a half. I was really, I I was really impressed by the way they looked against Loyola. They went down big in the first half. I mean, they came back strong. Emojic Gibson was limping off the court to start the game, comes back and um, puts up twenty three points. I was really impressed by DePaul's resolve in that game. Now, with the rebound. I'm That's kind of a long buzzer there, huh? Yeah. Well, Providence fans need something right now. All right. Moving on to our, again, we're just going reverse standings on ESPN, not power rankings. Our Xavier Musketeers with the probably the most impressive win of no. the week. That is incorrect. I, that's not what the net says. No, that, I mean, I, that's objectively incorrect. That's not what the net says. We're going to talk about Marquette later. Yeah, but that's not what the net says. West Virginia's 11. Well, if you watch Baylor and you've watched West Virginia. Wow. I'm sorry. I don't give a crap about the net. Bob Anyhow. Huggins? Anyhow. Bob Huggins? Xavier, on my birthday? Xavier went 2-0. On my birthday? Uh, this week they beat Southeast Louisiana and West Virginia. Obviously, the West Virginia game Saturday night was the headliner, and they pulled it off in a close game, and they sent Bob Ho- Huggins home with frown. Um, Bob Huggins has never smiled in his adult life, so that is not real. He's a grumpy fella. Uh, And he's so fat, dude. We don't do that on this pod. He's so fat. Body positivity on this pod. There's nothing positive. Can we talk about Xavier? (laughs) (laughs) Just saying so fat. Suli Boom was fantastic in the game. Jack Nungy was fantastic in the game. Now you go. Suli Boom was fantastic in the game. I already said Jack Nungy. Now you go. Jerome Hunter gave him some really nice minutes off the bench. Colby Jones was a... um, Colby Jones, I thought, was really good, despite... He got hit a few times. Yes, I think he got hit about three or four times in that face. Yeah, it looked like his face might have been a magnet to getting hit. Um, but we got to talk about Suli Boom as potentially the transfer of the year, I think. Yeah, I uh, think if I had to redo my point guard ratings, that he would probably be, like... It could, there's, a, like, under Nemhard, like, it might be he's, he's two. It's, like, Nemhard one and Suli Boom two right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know who we're forgetting, but... Posh. Who I love. Well, we'll talk about St. John's in a minute, but... um, I don't know. I, I was really impressed. This game, yes, it felt... It was very close in the first half. West Virginia's up. The second half, Xavier just kind of took over and never really took their foot off the gas. Yeah, West Virginia was hitting a lot of tough shots. They had that Stevenson kid. Yeah. Um, who just kept nailing jumpers. And then they kind of regressed to the mean, I felt like. Yeah. And Xavier had a good game plan. You know, Sean Miller runs really fun stuff. If you watch his X's and O's, he manages to get guys really good looks. Um, And uh, their defense looked a lot better, which I think was a lot Jerome Hunter. One thing we do need to talk about, and I hate doing negatives, Zach Fremantle was kind of unplayable down the stretch. Yeah, Bob Huggins is fat, though. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Fremantle has the resolve, I feel like. He's a fifth-year senior, I believe. 
Um, no, I don't think so. He, not, he didn't take his COVID year? No, I don't think so. I think now he, I need to figure this out. Um, I, I'm not worried. I've seen Fremantle look unplayable at certain times. Yeah, you're right. One, two, three, four. Yeah. Um, did he miss a year in between? This doesn't really matter. Um, where I've seen Fremantle look unplayable before and then come back the next day and look okay. I don't know. I mean, his defense is not good. And he's undersized. He's undersized to be playing a big man position. And he's not particularly... But West... I'm going to go with second longer. I know we said three minutes, but West Virginia being number 10 in the net. And I again, I'm just... The net's fresh in my head, and I don't really believe in the net. But West Virginia, I know they're not ranked as a really good team. Um, and that's a really quality win for Xavier that probably is going to be a Q1 win when we're looking at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Despite it being at home. You think it's going to slip to a Q2? No, it's probably a Q1, but it could easily go down to a Q2 just because it was at home. Um, I don't know. you got to feel pretty good if you're Xavier after this week. I think Xavier has established themselves as the third best team in the Big East, um, and that might be questionable because they might be the second best team in the Big East. Yeah. All right, our Providence Friars. I like what Providence is doing. Um, after having a really tough... Well, no, because I'm saying I, they had a really tough out-of-conference schedule, and they've kind of scheduled some games to get right, although they did lose their Big 12 Big East game. Um, they lost to TCU, 75-62, and then they beat Rhode Island, 88-74. to So I think T- or Providence fans probably aren't that uh, happy with their week because this was probably one of their last chances to get an out-of-conference Q1 when yeah i mean jared bynum finally showed up for them in their game against uri but he was a no-show again against tcu that's something we had touched on earlier this season that they needed more out of him i had him as a potential player of the year candidate he's not playing like it he finally showed up against uri um you know bryce hopkins has been fantastic hopkins went for 15 and 15 i believe in that game or 13 and whatever he did i mean he was a man amongst boys and Cooley was calling, it said there's still room for improvement for him. Yeah, he's been really good. Uh, Jaden Pierre, the freshman off the bench, has given him really solid minutes. I would do, and maybe this is controversial, but I've seen it a little bit. At this point, I would bench Bynum. Not bench, but Bynum thrived as being a sixth man. Put in Jaden Pierre and let Bynum come off the bench. I don't think Cooley wants to do that to the morale of the team. The last thing you want to do is... Um, create a morale issue with the leader of your team Jared Bynum you know before the season started Cooley was pointing at him to all the player all the new transfers and saying this is the guy you want to emulate this is the guy who's going to lead us so I think the last thing you want to do is kind of create like sour apple sour you know yeah maybe I mean maybe he found something against Rhode Island but um against TCU he scores zero points and Pierre comes off the bench and scores 13 I mean you put those yeah but hold but can they make the NCAA tournament without Jared Bynum giving them really solid production? No, but I think it might be Jared Bynum. Remember, UConn benched R.J. Cole last year and said um, no, two, years, year, two years ago they benched him, and then R.J. Cole was a first-team All-Big East player after that. You could do it. I, I, would, I would just consider it if I were them um, because I think that it changes, you know, Maybe he does thrive, you know, leading a second unit. Providence is in trouble right now because they lost all of their um, out-of-conference games. And so they do not have a NCAA tournament resume without yes. pretty much sweeping the Big East. They No, they if, if they knock off UConn, 
and Creighton once. If they go one and get a win against Xavier, they'd have to go three and three against UConn and Xavier against the top and three, and they'd have to not lose a single game to the bottom of the conference. DePaul and Georgetown and Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Yeah, they could split with Marquette still. But they'd have to sweep some people. You're right. They'd have to do some sweeping. Providence is in trouble. I think Providence fans know that right now. They needed the TCU game. That would have been huge. Um, and they just kind of threw a clunker. Yeah, I, I didn't get to, That was on ES, or the Big 12 network or whatever they're calling it nowadays. And I didn't get to see a whole lot of it. So, um, Providence, you can listen to the whole thing. Providence, they got a chance. Bynum. All right, we are moving on to the Creighton Blue Jays that no longer own Nebraska. So, Terrible week for Creighton. Uh, Creighton goes into Texas and loses 72-67. Not to say that's an expected result. I thought that was a coin toss game. But, you know, they lose to a really talented Texas team that's now up to number two in the country. Um, or was number two, and they still are number two. Then they come home. This is a get-right game. Nebraska sucks. Um, I do like Hoiberg. I'm a little surprised that uh, he's an NBA coach. You know, he's one of those guys that came from the NBA. So maybe they're I, – I mean, I don't know. what. What's the, well, we watched Nebraska get the heck beaten out of them by St. John's. Actually, St. John's in the first half, it was a pretty competitive yeah, game. Beat them 70 to 50. And then the Johnnies ran away with it in the second half. So I thought I knew what we were expecting when we saw Creighton play Nebraska. And so both of us missed the first half of that game because... Yeah, didn't think it was a big deal. Got my Christmas tree. Yeah, weren't really worried about uh, the Blue Jays. And then they can't shoot to save their life right now. And Kaluma goes out of 8. Shireman 4 of 12. Nemhart 3 of 13. Trey 3 of 12. I mean, Cockbrenner's not going to ever miss a lot of shots because he doesn't shoot those kind of shots that you can miss. Here's my thing. <clears throat> if Creighton goes out and beats BYU and Arizona State like they should... And then goes out and starts the Big East strong. Because this is their beginning of the Big East. Marquette, Butler, DePaul, and Seton Hall. There is a very real world where Creighton is 6-0 and going into that UConn game. If they're 6-0 and you know, in those six games, they're going to be fine. I'm not going to be concerned until I see another clunker like that. If I see another clunker like that... Like, we're talking not a top 25 team, like, playing your way on the bubble already at the beginning of the year. Well, you know what was so impressive about the Texas game is that they couldn't shoot to save their life, and they still were right there yeah. in the game. They did a fantastic job utilizing uh, Ryan Kochbrenner, um, getting him into the post repeatedly. Uh, McDermott just kept going back to him over and over again. Kochbrenner looks small. Not small, because he never looks small, but Walker for um, Nebraska just manhandled him. He hasn't points. looked good since the Arizona game. <clears throat> I wonder if he... Listen, Cockburner's a pale dude to begin with, but he looked so sick in that Arizona game, and maybe it was because he was getting, you know, he was kind of getting mauled or manhandled a little bit, but he looked sick, and I just wonder if something's not quite right. I have an alternative theory, because I was thinking that when I was watching the Texas game, because that was our theory in the Arizona game. I think other teams have figured out that if you run the floor, Ryan Cockburner's just not well-conditioned enough to run the floor. Because Texas was up and down, up and down, and the Creighton Blue Jays let it fly. They're up and down. And Ryan, I'm watching Ryan Cockburner sprint back and forth and back and forth. He looked exhausted. Well, then somebody's got to figure something out quick because this Creighton season, for all the potential it has, it, I'm not worried yet. My panic level's at a two. But um, one more loss, my panic level goes to a six. That's how quickly it can jump. My panic right. level's already at a four. Losing to Nebraska is really bad. Would you rather lose to Providence or Siena? Providence. 
I meant, sorry, Siena or uh, Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. <clears throat> I don't know. There's something like Siena just had a hot night, but Nebraska's like a P6 team that sucks. Yeah, they're pretty bad. All oh. right, our Butler Bulldogs go in and they beat Kansas State at home by 12. Oh. Yes. And then they beat Tennessee Tech by 14 at home. I, I'm i really starting to like this Butler team and the way it's clicking. Um. I think revolving, you know, Manny Bates was dominant in that uh, game. Also, how good was it to say Keontae Johnson on the floor for Kansas State? Yeah, I mean, that's a feel-good story. I mean, after he was like the COVID, I don't want to say poster child because that sounds bad. but no, he was like, like the horror co- story. Like, yeah, it was like when he passed out at Florida. Um, he went 9 of 9, Keontae Johnson. He was really good in he, that game. He's a dude. Um, but here's the biggest thing for Butler. They're, until they're all the way healthy. They have to rely on their starting five like no other team. They only play in a rotation of seven right now. They got double figures from all five of their guys in the starting rotation, and that's why they won. You know, I'm at the K-State game? Yeah, I don't care about the Tennessee yeah. Tech we, game. We were in the bar room for the K-State <laughs> game. Um, we got to watch all of that game, and I agree with Tyler. It's a lot of fun to watch right now. You're playing four round one with Manny Bates in the middle, mm-hmm. and then you pretty much have four guards. You know, Seamus Lukosius is... Technically a forward, but he can play like a guard. Um, like, they were a lot of fun to watch. And, and I mentioned Suli Boom as a potential transfer of the year, but it's Manny Bates and Boom, I think, are the two uh, competing for it right now. I mean, Manny Bates plays – you want to talk about conditioning. Listen to these minutes in this Kansas State game. 39, 37, 34, 35, 40 for Eric Hunter. I mean, th- these guys didn't sub out. I don't even know how Thomas got 14 minutes when I just gave you those numbers. Like, he must have just been the only sub going in now. Because Turnbull only played one minute. They played a rotation of six for an entire game. And one against a good Kansas State team. They're 6-1. And, and they looked really good. And Manny Bates didn't look tired at all. Which one did he have? 39. 39. 39 minutes from a 6'11 fella, and he didn't look tired Who at all. Who didn't play basketball last year. Yeah, he's a real deal, Manny Bates, and as long as he keeps showing up, I think that this Butler team can be an NCAA tournament team. That's my hot take. Ooh, you worry about them getting worn down? They need some of their guys to come back and be healthy. Um, they shot a lot of. You're right. They Manny Bates shoots eleven shots all inside the paint, presumably. I would guess. After that, Lucocious, Harris, Taylor, and Hunter all shot um, twenty. Th- shot a combined twenty threes. They hit 40% of them. That's good enough to win on a night like today. So everybody in their starting rotation shot at least three threes. Yeah. I, I'm, really, I'm really hopeful that Butler is that middle team for the Big East that is going to, like, push people over the top. Like, push. Like, they're going to be Q1 on a certain, you know, yeah, especially so. on the road. Yeah, when you go visit them, I think that's a Q1 game. Um, that Mattis guy is cooking right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Keep Manny Bates on the floor as long as possible, and if he can play 40 minutes, man, that's a nightmare for backup centers. <coughs> All right. We have three more teams to discuss, <coughs> and this one is probably not as positive as the other one. This is the St. John Red Storm, who played two games this week. Uh, it was a Long Island game this week? Yes, it was. They smacked Long Island around. Because Long Island is terrible at basketball. Um, and then they lost to Iowa State, and I don't even think it was as close. And I have a lot of takes on this game, so you want to start? Yeah, this was an embarrassment. Um, this was... <laughs> you know, everybody who was saying, like, you know, St. John's hasn't played anybody. You know, you can't... They're the same team they've always been. 
you know, and I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I was, well, they beat Syracuse, and they beat Nebraska, and they look good so far. This Iowa State game makes you forget all of that, and it makes you go right back to last year and everything you ever thought about Mike Anderson because this was embarrassing, and, um, you know, it just looked like there was no game plan. It looked poorly coached. Uh, and um, Pinzone played well in this game. I want to say that he kept, he kept this game close when it had no business being close at certain points. Um, so he scores 13 off the bench. He had a few cu- threes that got him back within single. You call it close, but it was never competitive. No, he just, no, it was never competitive, but it was close. He never let it open up to 20 points. No, but they kept, you know, Pinzone hit a few threes where you squinted your eyes and said, well, if Jones comes down and hits the three and Soriano makes a dunk, we're talking about a two-possession game. Yeah, but they weren't even playing like they thought they could get back into that game. I have never, and I don't know how Iowa State only scored 71 points. It looked... I was sitting here talking to myself saying, it looks like Iowa State has six people on the floor and St. John's has five. The amount of spacing that Iowa State was able to create on those guys, they were just, there were passing lanes were wide open to everybody. Open shot after open shot. Iowa State could have easily scored 100 points in this game. But we're talking about their, you know, their spacing. They just, they did normal spacing. Yeah. They they weren't that incredible in my opinion. I'm not talking up Iowa State. This is... Purely a talk down. They had John. normal spacing, and St. John's defense was so bad, it made their spacing I mean, look exceptional. I love Posh Alexander. I think he's one of the better players in the East. He yeah, was at, terrible. At certain times, he was just running down the court, and basically he was proposing by handing the ball to the other team. And then he was running back the other way, and it was like, you can't... What's the definition of insanity? You keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. When is Mike Anderson going to say... You know what? It's really fun to have a lot of athletes. Let's run some sets. Joel Soriano is having a great year. This is a very talented roster. Oh, incredibly talented. So figure something out that's a little bit different. You know, I was telling, um, I was telling my girlfriend. She was asking why the reporter or uh, the uh, commentator was so harsh on St. John's. I said I think a lot of basketball purists take it personal that Mike Anderson thinks he can just get a bunch of athletes on the team. Not scheme any basketball, and they're going to win games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I, I'm i kind of – I love watching them play, and I think that's part of the problem too because it's just a street ball, but it's not – I mean, Andre Corbello is electric. Andre Corbello is must-watch must TV. Joel Soriano is a double-double machine. But you're not putting them in in a spot to succeed, and that's what your your job is as a coach. Your job is to your job is not to be, you know, their success is your success. You put them in a position to succeed, or else you you might as well not be a coach. And I I don't know. I'm not I'm not totally. Listen, if St. John's had a good year last year, and was like made a tournament, I'd be like, okay, Mike Anderson deserves the benefit of the doubt. The problem is he does. He's like Patrick Ewing right now, where there's no benefit of the doubt for. What right, he's done. they haven't been good in a long time. I don't, uh, they haven't been good since he got there. I yeah. think his last good team was at Arkansas. There's no benefit of the doubt to be had. So St. John's come out next week, win two games, and then we're you know, and then we're probably talking again. We'll be like, like, oh, they had one bad game. Yeah, and that might be it. All right, all right. So we are gonna we switch it up a little. No, in no, case we, got, I need, we got one more. We have two more. Oh. Um, in case anybody wasn't paying attention, or, well, you shouldn't know the backwards standings. We're going to do Marquette at the end because we have the most to talk about them. So we have the UConn Huskies, who after playing three games in three days the Phil Knight Invitational, came home to the Gamble and played Oklahoma State, who had a good um, Ken Palm rating, uh, and they beat them by 10 in another game that was never as close as it um, 
it's not as close as 10 points. So, you want to go? You want me to go? How do you want to do uh, um, Well, I will say first uh, that I thought Oklahoma State played a pretty decent game. And that in the first half, it was a pretty tight game at points. No, it was never a close game in the first half. It was close in the second half. Oh, is that, okay. In the second half, they, they <laughs> tightened it up a couple times. So, I don't think they ever went yeah. away. And you got to give them credit for their resolve. Uh, but the UConn Huskies just look too talented, too deep, too athletic. Um, they, they, are, they don't miss shots. I don't know how you're going to beat UConn if they play well this year. That's what I'll say. If UConn has a bad day, anyone can lose. But you're telling me, listen to these stat lines. Alex Carabin. Caravan. Caravan every time. Four points. Tristan Newton, who had a triple-double at the PKI, or um, right before the PKI, two points. Donovan Klingen, who won the PKI MVP, two points. Hassan Diara, a good backup point guard, zero. Naeem Allen, supposed to be an impact transfer, zero points. You're telling me that Naeem Allen, Hassan Diara, Donovan Klingen, Alice Karabin, and Tristan Newton combined for eight points, and UConn won by ten in a game that was never that close. And if I told you that next week, those four were the leading scorers, you'd probably believe me too. This team's depth is something that I have not seen in college basketball this year. Yeah, the depth is um, its pretty absurd. And I think that that's exactly how Hurley wants it. And he's going to keep mixing people in and he's going to try and spread the minutes around as much as possible so that everybody feels like a starter and nobody feels like they're a but, bench player. But I thought what I liked about this game more is Hurley played the hot hand. He didn't go to... Clinging for, you know, he's been playing Sonogo and Clinging at like a 15 25, nah, not even really, a 30, I don't know, more of a 30 10 split, 15 25 split. And, and he stayed, Sonogo played every minute but seven, and Hawkins played every minute by four. Well, Jordan Hawkins was your best player of the game. What did he knock down? Five threes? Five of, five of nine from three, dropped 26. Sonogo dropped 20. Um, I thought the only thing that was negative is we saw Sonogo revert a little. I, he talked all off season about passing out of those double yeah. teams, and it was a black hole again when he touched the ball. Yeah, a little bit, but I mean, he's just so good. He scores so easily. His touch, yeah, um, <laughs> even in a double or triple team. And you know what I loved about Jordan Hawkins is it just looked easy. Those five threes. It every time he elevated, it was the same stroke every single time. The, his ability to repeat that stroke over and over and over again he doesn't um, force it he's not like looking to force shots he's you know the, he, they're getting him open shots and he's just nailing them and while we are not uh talking a lot about the net uconn number two in the net speaks to that this team is as good as the eye test shows right now sorry uconn fans i know we don't like providence all the time but all right and then so we're gonna do it a little differently this week we decided to save our team of the week for the end and we're gonna put five minutes on the clock and that way we can get into a little more depth about the team we had the most to talk about this week so (laughs) and that is the marquette golden eagles marquette comes into this week and goes one and one but against very high p6 competition they blow the absolute doors off of baylor and then they lose a really con- well-contested game against Wisconsin. Yeah, overtime um, game against overtime. Yep. <clears throat> I'll put a big asterisk next to that, though. I will say the way Chucky Hepburn was playing, if Chucky Hepburn did not get injured, I've no- he missed 15 minutes in that second half. Um, I, I'm not trying to take away from it. They played well to win that game um, by as much as they did, but I do think it's worth noting that 
Wisconsin's best player did not play when Marquette made their comeback. Yeah, but he's not always their best player. You know, Tyler Wall's their best player in general. He was and, so uh, good. His The ball didn't touch the rim. You're talking about the one shot where he's like 10 feet behind him. There were multiple one of those shots. He hit... Chucky well, Hepburn was electric in that game. That was the best individual performance that isn't going to look right in the scorebook because he missed so many minutes. But I thought that was the best individual performance I'd seen in college this year. You're crazy. He shot... He shoots 7 of 10 and 5 of 6 from 3 for 19 points in 26 minutes. He was on his way to like a 35-point game. Well, you could go start a Big Ten um, podcast. But let's talk about Marquette a little bit. Because uh, on the other side of the ball there was Cam Jones, who was also fantastic for Marquette. Yeah, the 3 to force overtime. He was putting them on the back, making layups. I was really impressed at his different ways of being able to score. Um, where for so... Not for so long. He's only a sophomore. But we had thought of Cam Jones as a spot-up shooter. Right. And he was going to the hole and getting fouled. Um, he shot six free throws in this game. He shot six threes. And he shot six twos. And he played 40 of the 45 minutes in this game. I was really impressed by Cam. I definitely think it's it's a notable um, change that he is now running the pick and roll at Marquette. Because he hadn't been doing that prior. But they put him in the pick and roll over and over again down the stretch. And he was able to both finish at the hole and he got that one step back three, which was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cam Jones is a bona fide scorer. He can score from anywhere on the court and he's dangerous. And then, you know, we, we haven't even touched on their big win of the of the week, which is Baylor. Where where they, Baylor didn't look like it belonged. They were up by 20. I mean, they win by 26, but they were up by 26 in the first half. They punched him in the mouth. They came out they and Marquette they, punched Baylor in the mouth and Baylor didn't know what to do. They punched him, kicked him, punched him, kicked him, punched. Like to say they just punched him in the mouth is like almost You know what it, it short. It reminded me so much of was the twenty Marquette playing Villanova. The twenty twenty uh championship game where Baylor came out and punched Gonzaga in the mouth. Yeah. And Gonzaga just couldn't get back into it. And, you know, they were trying, and it, they were just on the back heels the whole game. I felt that way about Baylor. Yeah, the announcers, every time that Baylor hit a three, is that what's going to... And then Marquette would just be... Marquette just played them even in the second half. They're like, no. Yep, Sorry, Mar- like, no, you're going to have to win this half by 26, and I don't think you have that in game. And it was Olivia Maxson's Prosper in that game, who was just incredible. And here's going to be my big takeaway from, from Marquette. You have David Joplin, Olivia Maxson's Prosper, and Cam Jones. Those are three guys that legitimate top scorers in the conference if they were getting the usage rate. Yeah. Well, here's my thing about Omax. Like, I really am a big fan of Omax. Uh, Is he the three of four? No one's a 75% three-point shooter. But is he that good, proficient um, shooter that he was against Baylor? Or is he the shooter that shot one of seven against Wisconsin when they really needed some open threes and he just... But if you're Shaka Smart, you after Brett. If you have three of those guys and you're Shaka Smart, you can ride the hot hand for the game. Sure, but when they were helping off Omax and Omax or and Omax was just getting open three after open three at certain points. Yeah, it was tough. He did miss a couple open threes that would have won the game. Um, I really also like the way Tyler Kolick has been managing these games. Um, he reminds me of Gillespie in a way that, um, I think that you don't see a lot. He just. He plays at his own plays at his own pace, the entire game. Looks unbothered. He's not sped up. He's not slowed down. He's doing what he needs to do to get on the court, um, and he has the most assists in the Big East. I'm really excited to see that next step for Tyler Kolek. Is it that he adds that three 
you know, routinely. He's shooting 40% this year. Is it that he, you know, drives a little bit more? Is it that he looks for his own shot a little bit more? What is Tyler Kohler going to add to his game? Because, man, the passing ability and the way to con- – he's a game manager right now, and it's so fun to watch. Yeah, and we haven't even touched on their defense, which is just fantastic. I mean, that's what Shaka Smart hangs his hat on, and they're disruptive. They're deflecting the ball. You know, you can't bring the ball up safely up the court. You can't make any passes because they're constantly getting them passing lanes. I think Marquette right now is a tier above everybody but the top third. I think they're a yeah. tier above Butler, Providence, yeah. Villanova. Yeah. I don't think they're in the same I tier. I think they're comfortably at number four. I think UConn's a tier above everybody. I think I think Creighton and Xavier are very close to each other. I think Marquette's a tier above. I think – here's what I'll also say. My other hot take. I know I didn't – and I, people brought this out of my power rankings. I think Butler might be a tier above Villanova and um, St. John's. Because Villanova is all on potential, and St. John's is all on potential. Butler's doing it right now. They're, I mean, they're having a good season to start. So yeah. maybe, maybe Butler's at a different level, too. We had a bunch of mailbags come in at the last second um, because I forgot to ask for a while. So, um Future looking bright in Milwaukee, super young team, and all the teams should be back next year. Marquette is going to be a problem in the Big East for a while. I'm not sure they'll all be back. I'm not sure that if um, Cam Jones, Jones go pro. and Joplin keep scoring the way they have been. Omax, go pro. Like, like, those guys are built to be NBA players. They have the athleticism. Yeah. Omax is a perfect three right now. He can guard one through four. Yeah, three and D. Yeah, and he's, that's, he just that's, needs to do it. That's what the NBA is constantly looking for. Um, this guy asked Jordan Hawkins draft stock. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold. I am. I kid. Kid's an animal. What they're gonna do in, when he gets to the NBA is they're gonna put him in the weight room and they're gonna say you can leave here when you weigh two thirty, yep. and they're just gonna not two thirty, probably two hundred. Um, two thirty would be a little big for him. Um, his body reminds me a lot of Kevin Durant. Um, he doesn't score in the same way that one of the top ten players of all time. Yeah, but he's also about eight inches shorter than Kevin Durant. Yes, but his stroke reminds me a lot of Durant. The way his body is reminds me a lot of Durant. I don't think he can be a 3 and D guy right now because he can't play defense. He's too undersized. He's getting pushed around a little bit more, but in, he his ability to elevate, um, he you know what he's doing is he's getting beat a little bit. Not beat, he's getting pushed, 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 and then somebody's trying to go up and he's just blocking off the backboard. Um, yes, he, d- he does have a oh, – he did that actually in the in the Oklahoma State game. But he has a fantastic ability to elevate, but I think well, he's too undersized right now. We will see. I mean, selfishly, I want Hawk to do another year at UConn. Um, but I, I think we're seeing the progression of Hawkins as a – I think he's a lottery pick. Um, and that's where most people have him right now. You too. want to talk about um, draft socks going down. Arthur Kaluma. Arthur Kaluma is almost unplayable. At I don't think Kaluma has a draft stock right now because no. he can't shoot. Absolutely. And he's taking bad shots. He's making too many mistakes. It's fun that um that Maui tournament. It was Creighton moving the ball, moving the ball, and then it hit Columbus and it'd be like stuck. And it's like, well, no, like uh, the part of what's making Creighton special is not doing that. And he was supposed to be the number one pick out of the Big East. Most likely movers both up and down from the tiers that you currently have them in. Um, Villanova for me has the most chance to go up because they're Villanova, and 
if Cam Whitmore's a real deal, they will not be in the bottom half of the Big East all year. And right now I'm saying St. John's has most likely to go down. They only have one loss, but the way they played against Iowa State. St. John's is like getting to the point where they might have to go 3-3 three and three against Xavier Creighton and UConn, and I don't see a way that they do that. I'm guessing they rack up quite a few more losses the way they played against Iowa yeah. State. I think based on net rate, only six Big East teams have a true tournament. Is there a chance? Um, I was pretty reactionary to the net ratings to start. And then people reminded me, like, if you look, like, I think the number seven team is, like, s- someone crazy. Like, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Like, it's it's somebody that I didn't know um, off the top of my head. Sam Houston is the number seven team in the country, um, according to the net. You haven't been following Sam Houston? I can't say that they're in my book the way that they should be. He doesn't know ball. Um, so, let's see. The only thing in Utah State's fifteen. The only thing I worry about, and this is what I was telling people, if this stays about the same, and let's say UConn continues to win and Creighton continues to win, um, and they stay like kind of above everybody else, you're not going to have a chance to rack up a lot of wins because you're just going to be it's going to be forty five playing forty eight. Well, cool, you beat forty eight. It's going to be margin of victory at a certain point. I don't think that the Big East deserves six and uh, tournament teams right now. I think. Maybe five. If you have Butler in, that's five. It's, you got Creighton and Xavier would have to have a catastrophe happen. Um, are automatically are in for me. I don't think St. John's is a tournament team. The Mar- way that I just saw. I got Marquette. Marquette. Hopefully Butler. The question is, what is Villanova? Yeah, I got five. And, and you know, I love Villanova, but they've got five losses. First net it's ranking really of the year, half the teams below 120. What say you? I know it's early, but uh, Georgetown sucks. Into... Go ahead. Georgetown sucks, so that's an easy one below 120. Um, throw everything out from Villanova um, if Cam Whitmore looks like he can um, because that 2-5, and 3-5 and five will look different. Um, who else? St. John's is that like the button? Let me see if I, I can do no, this. Seton Hall. Seton already... Hall sucks, so don't worry about I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to say these teams suck, but they suck. Um, and they're just not going to help you in the within the net rankings. Right. Um, Providence has lost all three of their meaningful games. Um, so I don't know how many chances Providence is going to get to move up. DePaul's amazing and well underrated per usual. Um, and Villanova. If Villanova has a 160 next to them at the beginning end of the year, we have a different problem, so. Yes, agreed. Yeah, all right. I think that wraps up our mailbag section. Um, mailbag. This was week four of the Big East Barroom. We're looking forward to another fun week of basketball coming up. Um, we start Big East play this Saturday. DePaul versus St. John's. It's not really Big East play. They play one Big East game, and then they go and play on I'll take whatever games. I can get. And then we really start, I believe, on December 17th. UConn plays Butler, and I believe that is the first Big East um, basketball game, um, but I'm not a hundred percent, but regardless, we're going to have big East basketball soon. Get your last out of conference games out of the way. Cause, and get this friendly little thing. I see where everyone's like, I hope this team wins because that's good for the big East. That goes away. The second year team is playing another team. So I can't wait for big East play. Big East basketball. Big East basketball. All right, everybody. Thanks for pulling up a stool and have a fantastic week. Hope we gave you something to listen to.